Well, Timothy was not exactly a strong leader. Timothy was not like Paul. You see, Paul was a strong leader, a man of clarity and resolve. He had a very strong sense of his purpose. We could, we could talk about his strong leadership for a long, long time. There are many books written just about Paul as the leader that God made him to be. But just listen to a few things that we know from a few places in the New Testament. The church at Corinth was a mess. The church at Corinth needed a lot of correction, a lot of help. So Paul wrote at least four letters that we know of, two that we have in the New Testament, to this messed up church. And, and they said from his letters, they said, you are small in stature, your words are plain, but when you write those letters to us, we almost can't stand it because they are strong and weighty, they said. In the church at Galatia, there were legalists who were perverting the gospel of grace by requiring believers to follow the Jewish customs and laws, even if they had been a Gentile. Well, Paul, into that situation, didn't flinch, didn't bat an eye. He confronted head-on those legalists who were perverting the gospel of grace. And he, he, with strong language, he called them dogs. He used their own words for Gentiles to, to ironically talk about them, sarcastically, frankly, to call them dogs, and manipulators and evildoers. He even called the Galatian followers who were listening to those legalists, he said that they were being foolish. He said they were bewitched. In Galatia, when Peter began to sort of act act hypocritically with some of the believers there, Paul opposed him face to face. At the end of Acts... Paul faced a world leader, multiple world leaders, and back down from no one. In Galatians, the first chapter, he says of himself, in effect, he says, listen, I'm not here to please you. I'm not here to please people. I'm no people pleaser. He says, I am here to please God. And that is why he was strong. A man of resolve, afraid of nobody. Didn't mess around. Clarity of purpose because he served God alone. (laughs) But Timothy was not exactly like that. Timothy was not like Paul in that regard. Timothy wasn't as forceful a presence. He wasn't confident and courageous like Paul was. We can kind of call him timid Timothy. In fact, from what we know of Timothy in the New Testament, he was kind of a wimp a kind of a reluctant leader who struggled with fear. He struggled with fear. And Paul knew that. He knew that his underling, his protege, his spiritual son in the faith, the person he had mentored, he knew that he struggled with fear of man. And that's a Bible term, fear of man, that's in contrast with fear of God. See, Paul had fear of God. He thought, if I don't do what God's called me to do, I'm held culpable by him. I don't care what you say. Timothy struggled with the opinions of men, the expectations of those around him, which is why Timothy is a lot like us. Timothy is a little bit timid and a lot like us, which is why this letter is helpful for us. This, this sort of fear that Timothy experienced is why Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He said this, 
When Timothy comes, this was Paul writing to them because he was sending them. When Timothy comes, see to it that you put him at ease. (laughs) He was a little bit worried that they were going to overtake him because he was timid. He says, make him comfortable. Be nice to him for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So one of the reasons Paul writes this letter to Timothy is because Timothy struggled to carry out the hard work of ministry. Now, I know as soon as I use the word ministry, some of you, that's a trigger in your mind. You think ministry is what you do, Scott, right? Because like you're the pro. No, no, no. Ministry is what all who follow Christ are called to do. Every one of us who follows Christ is called to be a minister. And so, and so Timothy struggled with fear in becoming the kind of strong minister who was effective in the faith. They try to keep it kind of at arm's length, which is why he's like a lot of us. And so Paul writes to Timothy to encourage him, to strengthen him, to remind him of how he got to that faith that he knew there. So maybe if you're someone who has sort of questioned in your mind, why, I, why am I called to do something or how am I supposed to do it or what's my ministry or what has God called me to in life? Maybe you push that at arm's length. Maybe you keep that as something you don't want to do. Maybe you have those doubts and fears in your mind. Even if you're a confident person, even if you're somebody who is pretty much a strong, upfront kind of leader, chances are beyond your moments of strength that you have those nagging doubts and those questions and that, those fears that we all experience. Maybe something will go wrong and someone won't like me. If I step out, if I go beyond my comfort zone, what if I do something wrong and, and I, I really hurt somebody else? I don't, I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to enter the fray. I'm out of the game. I don't want to run that risk. Maybe you're just comfortable where you are. I, I don't want to keep having to do things, Jesus, that are hard and that require me to step out of my comfort zone. To, to, to require me to think beyond my limits so that I'm empowered by you to do ministry. I don't want to do that. Well, if you've had those questions or you've held back in ministry or or service, if you've struggled with fear in how to fulfill the call to make disciples, if you need greater confidence in how to be a Paul to a Timothy, then this is the book for you because 2 Timothy is Paul's letter of encouragement to, to a timid Timothy who experienced the kind of fears we all do as humans. Paul is saying, do not fear. You can do this. Keep up the faith. Remember who you are and where you've come from. Remember what I've taught you. And here's why Paul was telling this to Timothy and to us. Fear of man, friends, fear of man can cripple you from powerful ministry and effective disciple-making. Fear of man can cripple you from effective ministry and disciple making. It can cripple you from becoming the man or the woman that God's called you to be. So Paul writes this letter to Timothy as a teacher encouraging his student to keep up the good work. 
And he doesn't just write it because Timothy was timid. He also writes it because Paul at the time is awaiting execution in a Roman jail cell. He knows that he might be nearing the end of his life. This turns out to be the last letter that Paul wrote in the New Testament. And so it's his swan song. It's his last will and testament to his trusted disciple to carry on the work. And so as we dive into it, I want you to to read it through Timothy's eyes, at least at first. We'll we'll talk about how we we all need to be Paul's. We'll get there by the end of the sermon, and we'll get there a lot of times during this series. But I want you to start out by thinking about this through the eyes of Timothy. As somebody hearing this as the last words of a mentor to you before he dies, so so that you know clearly who you're called to be. Sounds like somebody I know named Jesus, who said, before I leave, make disciples. Same message. So we're going to look through this series and today about how you can fan the flame of the gift of grace, the fan the flame of the gospel in you that was given to you so that it spreads from you to another. Let's jump in. Verse 1, 2 Timothy. Paul says, Paul, he's identifying himself as the sender. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Five different times in the New Testament, he starts with exactly that phrase. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. It's sort of a title for him at this point. Let's break down kind of what he means by it. He starts by identifying himself as the sender. He says, Paul, and then he says, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus. Jesus. This is significant. Don't bypass this. It's significant that he calls himself an apostle. He's saying, I'm a messenger who speaks with the authority of God. And that's key if he's going to encourage timid Timothy to know that the calling Timothy has to make disciples didn't come from Paul, didn't come from his grandmother Lois or his mother Eunice. It came ultimately from Jesus Christ. And so when Paul says, this is your task, he, he needs to communicate as an apostle, as a messenger. This is God saying, hello, this is your task. So he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Next he says, by the will of God. It's another way of saying, this didn't come from me, this came from God. He's saying, listen, Timothy, God made me a messenger. I didn't even choose it. God chose me on the road to Damascus when he blinded me and he told me, you will be an instrument for God to the Gentiles, Paul. And he told me how much I would suffer for him. So in the same way, Timothy, God has chosen you. And remember, this isn't for the paid professionals. This is for every follower of Christ. God has chosen you to be a minister. So you need not fear. That's the message he's going toward. Just like me, your charter to serve comes from God. And then he says, it's according, this is the manner in which you do it, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. That, that last phrase at the end of the first verse, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, is a bit of a curious phrase. But what Paul is saying is that his ministry, which was given him by God, is carried out in a manner is effective if it perpetuates, if it fans the flame of the fullness of life of Christ in him for others. That's effective ministry, he's saying. According to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus that I have, that I give to others. In fact, by putting it all together here in verse 1, Paul is saying that his ministry works because it is carried out by the power that God gives it. 
He's saying to Timothy, remember, I'm the model for you. I've done it this way. You do this too. And he's saying, listen, Timothy, I may look like this strong person who leads in a manner that that just comes from me. But listen, I do that because I am clearly about the fear of God and not the expectations of the world or man around me. I serve Him. That's why I minister this way, he says. And so he's, he's continuing to say this to Timothy because Timothy needs this encouragement. So he says, Timothy, be confident, be strong, because really you're not the sort of efficient cause of ministry. Your natural personal qualities don't work anyway, just like mine don't, because God's called you to something that is supernatural. Listen, if you're going to be a man or a woman who, who is replicated in the life of another, if you're going to be a multiplier of faith, a disciple maker, you can't, you can't make that happen. Uh, I get it. We, we, we try. I mean, we can, we can set up systems and structures so that on the face of it, we can make people look like what we think Christians are supposed to look like so that we can say, check, disciple. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about a supernatural work of Christ in someone else that happens through your witness and your testimony and your ministry so that God takes that as a witness and replicates it in the life of another. As you invest in that person, that's disciple making, as you invest in that person and God makes that seed of the gospel grow in those who respond. That's disciple making. So that's sort of an introductory way of thinking about the first few verses and the whole, the whole book. Look at verse 2. He names Timothy as the recipient. Paul to Timothy. And then he says this, My beloved child. He calls him my beloved child. Some versions say son. He's saying, Timothy, you're my, you're my spiritual son. You've been with me in ministry. I've prayed for you. I've encouraged you. I laid my hands on you. He says, my beloved child. Turn with me to Philippians 2, if you haven't already turned there. Philippians 2, 2 uh, 20 through 22. I want to look at this as a, a, a way of talking about this sort of uh, spiritual sonship of Timothy to Paul. This is Philippians 2 here. And Paul is telling the Christians there in Philippi that he's going to send Timothy to them. He's going to send Timothy to them because Timothy, frankly, is the best option. Timothy is the most trusted student. So pick it up at chapter 2, verse 20. He says, I have no one like him. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. And then he says, for they all, meaning those who were his co-workers with him in Rome, those who were Paul's co-workers, they all seek their own interests, not those of Christ. Then he says, but Paul, verse 22, but you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Timothy is Paul's spiritual son because he saw that he could be trusted with gospel ministry. Twice in 2 Timothy, he calls him his son, his beloved child. And so back to 2 Timothy, first chapter, verse 2. Here is Paul writing his last words to his trusted, his trusted protege. This is sort of like a, a father who knows his end is near. 
Maybe you've seen some of those uh, super moving, make you cry for about 10 minutes kind of videos where somebody who is diagnosed with cancer or is about to die from some terminal illness will, will video some last words to a son or a daughter or a loved one. A last will and testament. This is what this is for Paul to Timothy. And he's saying, keep your head in the game. Keep up the fight. Keep the faith. Carry on the work. I know it's hard, but God will use it if you're faithful. So Paul finishes here, verse 2, with another reminder to Timothy. But the power and the source of his ministry is not him but God. It says grace, mercy, and peace. Not from me, not from you, but from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. You'll need that grace. You'll need that mercy. You'll need that peace. If you're going to continue to carry on the work, Timothy, so don't forget, don't forget where these come from. That's key. Don't forget. Don't forget where these come from. They come from God. And we'll come back there in a second. It takes kind of a, kind of a little detour. He says, that comes from God, but it's ministered to you by the example of people. Look at verses 3 to 5. This grace and this mercy and this peace, this faithfulness that comes from your ancestors was delivered to you through people. It says, verse 3, I thank God. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors. Paul's remembering his own heritage of service that has been carried out, he says, with a clear conscience. He's carried this out with a clear conscience. Friends, that's a a precious thought. If you've done ministry, if you've done service in a way that is about God, you can do it with a clear conscience so that you are serving Him. But, But the moment you begin to take your cue, your expectations for your ministry and for your service from people more than Jesus, more than God, you you can't do that with a clear conscience. And it won't be effective. Paul is continuing to say this to Timothy. Your goal is serving with a clear conscience. He says, I've done this. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. Then he says, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. That word remember is important. We'll come back to it. Verse 4, as I remember, there's the word again, as I remember your tears at having had to depart from Paul, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. He wants to see Timothy work for the gospel so that he can continue to have that joy of seeing the gospel moving on through others. He says this, verse 5, I am reminded, there's that memory thing again for the third time, that calling back to mind thing, it's important. I am reminded of your sincere faith. That's ultimately why Paul is grateful. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Listen, Timothy, this didn't come from me only. You didn't manufacture it yourself. The gospel in you, which has served to to make you alive through the Spirit, that was given to you through those who came before. Don't forget that, Timothy. Your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, me, generation after generation of faithful witnesses who have come before, who lived it in front of you. Listen, this is about disciple-making. This is about disciple-making. That's why we're in 2 Timothy. And I'm going to say it until I'm blue in the face until you start to say, we get it, we get it, we get it. And then at that point, 
I'll keep saying it till we're all blue in the face. And instead of just saying, I get it, I get it, I get it, we'll walk out those doors and we'll live in ways that are intentional about making it happen in the lives of others. And until then, I don't want to hear it. That's what Paul's saying. That's what the Word says. Doers, not just hearers. Little diversion there. He says, It dwelt first in your grandmother Lois. This is verse 5. Your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Three times we've heard the word remember or remind. We're going to see it a fourth time here. And we're going to talk about this word for a second here. Remembering, reminding, calling back to mind. This is a huge theme here, and Paul is giving us a cue. In four verses, he uses it four times. He's saying, remember, remember, remember. What am I supposed to remember? You're supposed to remember that you, you, you have this gift of faith, this gift of the grace of faith and the gospel in you because someone else took time to tell you, to be intentional with you, to serve for you, to take some, some step beyond their comfort zone so that you would know Christ. Remembering that is important because, and it sounds simple to say, but remembering that is important because we forget that. The world around us with its manic pace and the endless options distracts us. And we forget the important things so easily. The thing that Jesus said before he left. We look around in the world and we see the, the shiny things that the world offers, some of which we have for ourselves because we worked for it and we feel a sense of competence about it. It's mine. I made this. And we forget. We forget where we came from. We forget who made us. We forget how we got here. We forget that faith is, and don't miss this, we forget that faith is a gift. He says it. Verse 6. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. The gift of the gospel. The gift of faith that was lived out in another's. Don't forget where you came from, Timothy. You, you sit in these seats because people sacrificed for century after century after century so that, so that the Word of God would be available to us. They took leaps of faith that, that, that make our little leaps of faith look like silliness in comparison so that you can sit in these seats. This faith didn't start with you. It was ignited in you, Paul says. 
just like it was given to me, Paul says, just like it was given to you, just like it was given to me by my ancestors and ultimately by God himself through his spirit which animates, which makes alive generation after generation after generation of believers who get it and who invest and make disciples who do not manipulate this gathering that we have here to be about us. They refuse to do that because Christ's death says it's too important for you to manipulate your life. Don't do that. It's life and death. For you and for somebody else. I promise you that. That's the message. That's what Paul wants to say before he dies. You've got to remember that this gift has got to be carried on. You've got to carry on when it's hard. You've got to carry it on when I'm gone, he's saying. You've got to remember this, young Timothy. Look at verse 7. You've got to remember this because you're timid. You don't want to go beyond your comfort zone. But he said, for God didn't give us a spirit of fear, verse 7, but of power and of love and of self-control. He's saying you are empowered by the actual spirit of God to do this work of going beyond your comfort zone, to do this work of investing in the life of somebody with intention. Simply put, and this is why we're studying 2 Timothy for 13 weeks. If we do not get that our faith was given to us to be given away, blessed to be a blessing, if we don't get that, it doesn't matter what else we do, frankly. And we forget that. Really, we do. I know it sounds almost too simple to say, but we forget that that is the main thing. Jesus, before he leaves, says, do this. Make disciples. And that's what we forget to do. We, we gather here. We, we sing songs. We pray. We study. We dedicate ourselves in our hearts and in our minds, in theory, to living as God calls us. And then we leave this place. We walk out those doors and we get happy with the world's stuff. We gorge ourselves on the the trash of sin. And we forget. We forget why God gave us the resources around us. We forget why God gave us tools to use. We forget why He gave us hands to do things. A, A sharp mind to understand well, a heart of compassion. We forget that the reason God gave us those things is just, this, this cannot be it by itself. Because if this is it by itself, then the cross of Christ and His resurrection for us is a farce to us. I don't know about you and your sort of heritage of faith. I could talk to you for uh, hours about those who came before, about those who modeled Christ to me, about those who preached the gospel to me. I never want to forget the faithfulness of the the preachers and the teachers and the pastors of mine and, and the mentors for me who 
who took time with me, who intentionally made time for me, who invested in me, who, who went beyond their comfort to say to me, this is what matters. Don't miss this. Remember this. And so, I never want to forget, I always want to remember the faithfulness of those who have come before that calls us to continue to carry on the good work of making disciples. Don't forget. I never want to forget for me personally, and I know you could name lots of people like this, but I I don't want to ever forget the faithfulness of my mother and my father who worked tirelessly for the kingdom for decades when friends were few, when money was not available, when recognition didn't come, when no one was looking. In other words, when ministry is hard, when what God calls you to is something that takes you beyond where you are. I don't want to forget those who did that before me so that I can do it too. Ultimately, I never want to forget the faithfulness of Jesus Christ who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held onto for himself. That's what that means. He didn't consider this something that for him and for the Father and the Spirit could just be something that he held onto and kept for himself. He could have done that justifiably. But ultimately, this perfect, sinless God of the universe said, that's something I want to give away. I never want to forget the faithfulness of Christ emptying himself, suffering on my behalf. Which is to say that if if Jesus Christ, by the spirit of power and love and self-control, if he sacrificed so that the message of the gospel will come to me and will come to you, then, then we can do the same thing so the message of the gospel would be shared with someone else. That is the mission of the Christian life, to make disciples. And so the question we're going to continue to ask this whole series is who is your Timothy? Who is your Timothy? For whom are you a Paul? People who know and understand and love what Christ did for them will do what it takes to find Timothys, to minister to them, to invest in the lives of people because they understand that the faith that they have that is a gift from God given to them through others required that kind of sacrifice. And if you think, if you think, if you buy into the lie, that we don't, we don't as believers, you know, that's for the special people, that's for the paid people, that's for the pros. Uh, if you think for a second that that is something that is just for the super spiritual people, you are sadly, sorely mistaken. Paul is saying this to Timothy so that all of us will understand that we are, we are given the gift of the grace of the gospel of God so that we can be a Paul for someone else. So who is your Timothy?
Name them in your mind. And, and, and look at your life and your resources and, and, and take them as, as gifts and tools to be used for those people in your mind. And don't forget, always remember that somebody did that for you. Let's pray.